Consumers today are capitalizing on AI, IoT, mixed reality, and other emerging technologies. These forces exert tremendous pressure on marketing organizations to reinvent themselves for the future. The question is, are brands and consumers ready? This podcast series will answer that question and many others as we consider the future of customer experience and marketing. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this first episode of Reimagine Marketing. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Stephen Hoffmans and Justin Tang. Welcome, guys. Hi, Wilson. Thanks, Wilson. Good to be here. Now, as you get to know us, we will provide sort of our viewpoints on, on how this show is going to unfold for the rest of the series. So we're going to start with Stephen Hoffmans. And um, I found that the best way to, to get into someone's perspective is to, is to ask them for their favorite or one of their, their, their memorable quotes that helps shape their, their craft. So Stephen, uh, by way of intro, what is your quote? And, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've worked like for seven years for a marketing technology provider, and I've been I've seen many industries implementing marketing technology and trying to take the best of it. And one of my favorite quotes is, uh, a fool with a tool is still a fool. <laughs> and the reason why is because uh, <laughs> I really see a lot of companies invest in different kinds of hypes and innovation. And for me, you have two types of motivational factors that decide to work with innovation. You have the companies that really understand how they can take advantage of market innovation and improve customer experience and, you know, really create value out of them. And these are the companies that when they're launched, when they launch, for example, a chatbot, it really can answer your questions, artificial intelligence driven, and it improves customer experience and brings down the cost um, to serve. Then you have the companies that invest in innovation because their competitors are having it. And those are the chatbots that refer you to the call center after one or two questions, where the problem is they were not able to take advantage of the market innovation that happened, and they were not able to translate that really in, into customer experience improvement. And often in reality, the technology gets the blame. So my advice there is, Always wonder if it's the technology that needs to be changed or the business that needs to change. That's awesome, Stephen. So everyone, uh, that'll be sort of that lens is, is really coming from that strategy perspective, right, Stephen? So I like that. So basically separating the, the, the tools from the fools. Uh, that'll be uh, some of definitely a big part of Stephen's uh, perspective. Justin, what about you? Your favorite quote and your angle on this? Uh, thanks, Wilson. You know what, Stephen? I had a quote um that was about a tool as well. So I'm not going to use that one. <laughs> I'm going to choose another one. My second favorite quote is, I know that 50% of my marketing is working. I just don't know which 50%. That's kind of the line that stuck with me throughout my career. Um, speaking of which, I I have um, career ADD um, and I also have real ADD. <laughs> just for the record. So, um, you know, I've jumped around a lot, Wilson, as you know, I've come from, you know, traditional advertising above the line TV. I went into digital. I had, a, I ran my own agency, sold it, became a marketing coach, and then decided I should probably broaden my horizons again. And here I am at SAS looking at AI. Fantastic. Fantastic, Justin. Again, I think that, 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 
that rich background, but coming in from a performance perspective, but you know, it's certainly not restricted to that, as you'll see as we in, in the rest of the podcast. But there'll be certainly some of the the elements there. That's right. Uh, what and about everyone, you, Wilson? Well, I think uh, I don't have any quotes on on tools or fools, uh, although I think they're absolutely <laughs> salient here. But uh, one of my early quotes was actually th- uh, from a gentleman named Scott Bedbury. He was actually the first CMO of Nike that really did all those amazing brand campaigns. And then he moved off to another amazing brand, Starbucks, right? Uh, in the, in the, in the Seattle, you know, in the Pacific Northwest area. So, and he wrote a book many years ago called A New Brand World. And this is one of his quotes around, uh, brand. He says, cracking your brand's genetic code is not strictly about product, about the past, or even about things. And here it comes. It is about tapping into an essence and an ethos that defines who you are to the folks who matter, your core customers, your potential customers, and your employees. So uh, I use this a lot when during my agency days, just like you, Justin, I think we, we share a background there. I was, I was on the client side. I was on the vendor side, on the agency side. And for me, uh, my journey is simply one that of an, a marketing explorer, a traveler. Uh, trying to explore as many facets of, of marketing, but ultimately it really nets down to what Scott Bedbury, how do you tap into this essence or ethos that defines a brand? So, uh, you know, a lot of my perspective will be that, all right, what's the human aspect of that? How, how do we un- unpack that into a, a marketing execution? It's not just now, but into the future. That's awesome, Wilson. Wow, you guys, uh, you you chose such um, philosophical responses. I really should have, I think we should have written it down and I should have probably read it. I thought, you know what, I'd rather the candor. (laughs) Well, I'll try to memorize his quotes. That's right. Hey, Stephen, you spoke a little bit about hype and innovation. Are there kind of two categories that companies fall into typically that you see? That's actually a very good question and not an easy one to answer. When I look at hype and innovation, I think of companies that are able to stand out by putting a smile on people's face and really by providing a what I call frictionless customer journey. And these are companies that are actually combining convenience, personalization and timing to really deliver and excel at bringing customer satisfaction. And one of the companies I found in my region, I am from Belgium, um, that is able to do this is um, actually Cool Blue. And Cool Blue is an e-retailer that was founded in 1999, and they managed to double their growth rate every 20 months, resulting in this year turnover of 1.5 billion euros. So really um, a company that took advantage of innovation, and their slogan is, we do everything for a smile. I like, I, I like that. And, and the idea behind it is really that when they are doing commercials, when they are delivering their packages around um, the Benelux, they always have the intention to put a smile on your face as a customer. And I think that's a very important value. Let me give you an example of how they look at frictionless journeys. The standard delivery services for Cool Blue were just not good enough. They were using the, the public post and some other distribution services. So they looked at really how can we create a delivery service that can meet our expectations, our customer values. So they looked at different pains in um, the delivery journey. And one of the businesses they are very successful in is what they call themselves wide goods. These are dishwashers and washing machines. 
It are really low involvement products, and the way you buy a washing machine is simply not the same as you as the way you buy a TV. And they looked at first at the basics, right? So when you when people buy a, a washing machine and it gets delivered at home, you know they need on-site explanation. They need to take back the old washing machine because it's a heavy product and nobody can lift it. So they said, okay, these are the basics. And when we give an on-site explanation and when we take back the old washing machine, we are meeting expectation. And then they changed their view and they were really, really looking from a satisfaction point of view at the journey. And they realized that whenever somebody is bringing a washing machine to, um, to a customer, they ring the door. And when the customer opens, you actually say, I have nothing for you because the washing machine, you will not take it out um, up front because first you want to be sure that the customer is at mo at home. So you had that awkward moment where um, the delivery person is ringing the door and actually have nothing in their hands and say, we have a washing machine for you. Now wait like five minutes while we are now going to take out uh, the washing machine out of the truck. So he said, we need to change that. We need to get rid of that awkward moment. So what they did is now every time they ring, they, they do a delivery, they have a small package, a small gift um, with them saying, they ring the door, say, here's your washing machine. And then the, the customer looks a bit odd saying a washing machine is so such a small package. So, and while they are opening the package, they have the time to go to the truck, get the washing machine, bring it ready. The customer is surprised because he gets a, a package and there's a few sample washing, washing um, samples in there. And, you know, it puts a smile on a person's face. And the best thing is that they were able to turn it into value. So Procter & Gamble is paying five euros to be actually in the surprise package to get washing delivery samples. So I think that's one way um, of, of, of creating customer delight and improving the customer experience. And it will also be one of the upcoming podcasts where we'll talk about how companies need to prepare for customer experience 2030. A second example is for me, Netflix. I think it, it became a commodity, but uh, especially with ki uh, kids at home, it is a lifesaver these days, really. Um, I think we take it for granted, but it's still a, a product that is relevant for every uh, member of the family. It's convenient because it's available on every device. So I think convenience is, is, is very important. It's personal, so everybody can reach it. And it doesn't, their commercials don't follow me around the globe. Right? You have these companies that when you visit them or you see their uh, promotions, they follow you all around the internet. And I think that says a lot about sensitivity and how to be personalized with the right timing at the right tone for every individual. And we'll have um, a talk around uh, data-driven marketing and especially with the recent documentary of The Social Dilemma. And we'll have discussions with Mika, who is the program director of artificial intelligence at IMAC on ethical marketing, IA and privacy, and what is good digital guardianship. Sounds good, Stephen. Sounds like uh, you know there's a lot of great uh, things to look forward to. And I think just to play back to the audience, I think the two takeaways were, you know, in this the innovation is all about adding unexpected surprising and helpful value. That was one of the, in the, one of that first examples. And, and, and the second one is all about that, that hyper-personalization, right? Making it super relevant uh, at the point of need, uh, you know, across, across the household or across different, uh, you know, personas. So those are great examples. Now, um, Justin, 
Now you've you've been I think very similar to me. You've been sort of on both sides of the marketing sort of fence, so to speak, right? You've been on the client yeah. side or brand side. You've also been on the agency side That's and it. consulting. So you know, I think you've got a unique vantage point, right? Around right, as we talk about in this podcast and the whole theme of it is evolution of marketing. So uh, standing on the middle of that fence, uh, what is your take on on what's happening now and and how marketing is evolving? Yeah, it's an interesting question, Wilson, because, um, you know, the examples that Stephen gave reminds me of Zappos. It's really that question of how do we go, how do we take a customer from liking us to absolutely loving us? Um, how do we create that customer delight? The evolution of marketing, as I see it, Wilson, has gone from this uh, one-to-one selling into creative advertising, the creative advertising revolution, where we went to mass market and tried to delight the customer that way. And then we created segments, uh, you know, like socio-demographic segments that we could talk to. Then we went to buyer personas in the digital marketing inbound era. And now we've come back full circle to the individual again. And it isn't that we wanted to move away from that. We've always wanted to speak to the individual um, it's just that we weren't able to using the technology that we had. And now now that we have it, we've evolved, or I guess you could say we devolved and then re-evolved. I don't know how you put that. <laughs> but we've come back to being able to speak to the individual. And that really comes back to what you were saying. I mean, brands call it hyper-personalization, right? But I think your customer would call it convenience, uh, understanding my context, understanding my need. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, I think for me, it's really back to that core basics. Uh, even back in the, the the good old days, especially with COVID nineteen, we have seen that return to that essence. Uh, what what Bedbury talked about, with the essence and the ethos of what brands are all about, and and we saw examples, uh, you know, with COVID nineteen, the whole pandemic, how brands pivoted. Right, they they were willing to suffer short term. Revenue losses, uh, some even maybe longer than short term, uh, but but they were doing it in order to build that brand affinity uh, to eventually ensure a faster recovery. So, for example, I saw, uh, you know, I think look, uh, even globally, right, uh, you know, Crocs, uh, they make those ubiquitous, uh, you know, mm-hmm. rubberized, you know, sandals with lots of holes on it. They're super ugly, uh, mm. but but very convenient. I, unfortunately, I think my whole family, each of us, have a pair. But what they did was they started donating their, their, uh, their sandals to frontline workers like healthcare, hospital staff, nurses, doctors, uh, you know, and they didn't put profitably ahead of uh, customers. Uh, another one was a lot of hotel chains, like in the New York area, for example, they, they use the, uh, their rooms to provide, you know, temporary, you know, to mid- midterm you know, lodging for uh, emergency care workers. Uh, another one that I saw, even in advertising, it was returning, returning back to that, that ethos. Miller Lite, for example, uh, they, of course, they couldn't sell beverages anymore, or beer and, and, and so on. So they started a hashtag virtual tip jar to support out-of-work bartenders uh, in the different cities that, uh, you know, that they ran this campaign. Uh, and then Taco Bell, on top of it, they suspended all the advertising uh, they toned it down. They they revamped it, uh, and they did basically user generated content showing pe- uh, people coming through the drive through window, uh, and then you know showing that uh, you know connection with with the consumer. So I think at the end of the day, you know the, the lessons here were really 
hey, focus on customer purpose, align with brand values uh, if possible. Uh, and here's a caveat to that. Don't force fit. The flip side to that was that uh, some brands are inauthentic. They try to be you know, caring. I mean, I think each of us got emails from brands that we oh, yeah. probably never, you know, we did business with like 10 years ago. I, yeah. I got like all of a sudden everyone say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope you're well. I'm like, gee, like. Not just brands, Wilson, happen? but LinkedIn <laughs> as well. Yeah. Everybody I've never spoken to on LinkedIn hit me up and said, you know, just thinking about you, hope you and the team are well. They don't know my team. Right, <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, that ethos, that focus should have been there all along, whether there's a pandemic or not. And I think I like what you said, like it was sort of swung to one end, uh, devolved, so to speak, right? And then now kind of coming back. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of, you know, the way that I think about things is when, when I'm, I guess, advising or consulting on brand, I always like challenge and play with people's heads and say, well, a brand isn't what you say it is. It's what people say it is when you stop talking. So when when you can't communicate anymore and you can't go to market with your typical channel communications like what happened in COVID, you discover what your brand actually is. Because when you can't talk anything other than, are you okay? You know, we're here for you. Our delivery times are blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'm being blunt deliberately because that's what, that's when you find out in that silence, well, what do our customers actually think about us? Do we actually have loyalty here? Do we actually have brand affinity? And, and the flip side of that, of course, Wilson and, and Steve, I'm sure you have commentary on this as well, is how do we achieve the business objectives? I mean, us as uh, marketers or practitioners, we can say, okay, focus on the customer. And at this point, everybody else who's not in marketing rolls their eyes and go, oh my gosh, how do we achieve our business objective? At the end of the day, we have shareholders, we have profit margins to hit, that kind of thing. Uh, so it's really an, an evolution, isn't it? Because, you know, it's it's kind of like a 1900s thing, focusing on profit first and profit only and forgetting about customer satisfaction and making people happy, to be frank. Um, And if we think about marketing in an environment where the customer has the power, take that to the nth degree. Give them all the power, all the privacy rights, all the privacy choices um, and communication choices. I mean, even price choices. And you really discover that uh, sometimes they're at odds with each other, this kind of brand uh, objective and the business objective. Not always, but sometimes. I think that's a great uh, sort of now, so getting into the how, right? We, we Initially, we talked about sort of the, the context of why we're reimagining marketing, why this series exists. And Justin, I think you gave a nice sort of summary from your perspective, like what are some of the <clears throat> the elements, right, that make up that that change? And, and we can definitely get back to that a little bit. But I want to hear from, from Stephen in terms of, you know, you know, how have the, you know, in light of, you know, consumer expectations, not just with the pandemic, but how they change overall and, and what are some of the how topics that, uh, that you'll be focusing on for some of the subsequent series, uh, so episodes, sorry, in, in our series? So w- when you look at how customer experience has changed in, in 2020, I think we did experience like the biggest digitalization wave ever, right? Um, some online shops had to adapt in one week from 30% online sales to going 100% online sales because people couldn't visit the store. And we have to, we, we, we don't have to neglect the impact 
on um, what that brings from a customer experience uh, perspective, right? I don't know how, I'm very interested in how it, it looks like in your regions, but from us, uh, the reality is that um, we are moving from a fear of missing out when it comes to expectation to a reality of missing out, right? No traveling, um, no instant delivery anymore, no live sport games and no barbecue with friends. And I think it really adds on on how do you reimagine customer experience? Because the question is, um, the market has changed, but did the customer did the customer expectations change with it, or are people still living in their um, previous customer experience? Do people still have their previous customer experience expectations? Do they still have their old expectations? And I think it's very important when you think about how to reimagine re customer experience that there's a, a challenge for companies that that they need to cope with the old expectations and um, keep on delivering the hopes and dreams of the new expectations to the customer. And they need to to find out, okay, how can we, if we're not delivering time, if they cannot go for travel, if they can't visit a football game in the same, how do you, how do you cope with that reality of missing out? And how do you keep loyalty to these customers that you maybe not always be able to serve. I think that's a very important challenge for for companies to address in 2021 and moving forward because I'm not sure if customer expectations already changed with the new reality that is uh, being put in place. And we'll discuss with uh, some of the people um, around what you can do on the short term with Bernard Mard around what should you plan for for 2021. Uh, we'll have a, a discussion with Sandy from Office Depot around how do you reimagine marketing planning and how do you make sure in the age of ad agility that you can adapt fast enough. And now we'll have um, Manu or Michael from the Belgium Soccer Association talking about how will we need to reimagine fan experience. And I think that the last one is very interesting. How do you bring a stadium experience to people that no longer can visit the stadium? How do you cope with that? I think that's a very interesting topic. So looking forward to these discussions, and I'm really also interested in, on your side, Wilson, what is happening from an experience perspective? How are customer expectations changing? And and to that end, uh, I mean, that is the, the big question, isn't it, as we move forward? And, and I think uh, one of the key things that we did even before uh, the disruption happened is really to ask that question, what will the future of CX look like five years from now? 10 years from now into 2030 and perhaps even beyond. And so uh, what we'll be, be doing is, is, is in, through the series, unpacking findings from our worldwide survey called Experience 2030 that looked at some of the core drivers of uh, evolving CX. And, and very quickly, I mean, they're all about smart tech, immersive tech, which is all, all that to say that the consumer is not just using digital, they are digital. Uh, another factor there will be around privacy. Justin, you mentioned that that, that balance Right. So we talk about privacy in the digital age. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve, uh, you mentioned loyalty. So that's also one of the key drivers that will still persist, except that now it'll be less about the program, but more about loyalty being infused into a, uh, into a customer journey. And the last piece of it will be around the technology in terms of how agile and how automated the brands can, can be in, in their marketing while leaving room for humanity, right, or, or empathy. So those are some of the key things. And uh, so we'll, we'll be unpacking that. In fact, we've been talking to some of these elements even uh, in, in this episode, but we'll, we'll get to 
to focus a little bit more. And Justin, we talked about you know some of those drivers from my end. Stephen talked about some of the expectations and how future ex- episodes. What about you? I mean, you work a lot. You consult a lot with customers at SaaS. How do you see them respond to uh, reimagining marketing in towards twenty thirty? Yeah, I think it's a big, scary question, uh, Wilson, because you you feel like you're trying to plot a course on shifting sand sometimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, how much of our previous data is usable now? You know, how much is relevant? You know, how do we avoid locking people, what I call lane locking, into, you know, workflows or automation? How do we not make assumptions and then lock people in accidentally? You know, how do we make sure that we're educating our internal teams as well as educating our customers about what they can do next without being creepy? So there's there's all these big questions that come into how we imagine marketing, which I suppose is why technology is an easy framework to go off. We can look at how technology is evolving and we can somewhat predict how customer behavior shapes around that because It's true. When technology provides a framework, customers' behavior fills that framework. So, Mm -hmm. you know, look at voice search, for example. I mean, if you were just to pull on that thread for a second, right? If, you know, 40% of of search traffic in America and the United States is voice, what does that mean for being on first page on Google? Absolutely nothing. There is no first page in voice search. There's just the first answer. So who who gets to be first? Is it the advertiser or is it the search engine's recommendation on the best human intent? So it's all these questions that really factor in. And, and as you said, the CX2030 report was fascinating to me because the perception of where brands think things will head and what customers say they want is, it's it's almost chalk and cheese, isn't it, Wilson? You're right. And And then we start looking at things like, uh, holographs, drone delivery, automated vehicles, and you start to think, well, maybe I can imagine a future where brands aren't just trying to sell more, but brands as infrastructure can happen in our world and economy. You know, where your Teslas are providing space travel or or hyperloops, where you've got Amazon that was once just a shopping company now providing infrastructure for Anyone who wants to start a business, we're talking about a whole new landscape, really. I like that term, uh, brands as infrastructure. That's a great perspective to kind of base some a lot of our future conversations on in, in terms of, yeah, it's not just this, well, Scott Beber says it's an ethos, it's an essence, but I think as we get inundated with all this technology, yeah, it, it also now functions as an infrastructure, a foundation. So uh, yeah, there's lots, lots to talk about, there. isn't there? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty neat. Well, as we draw to a close, let's uh, let's do this. We know that you know it's the start of a new year, 2021, right? It's looming, it's coming hard and fast. So, from for each of us, let's give one prediction for the year. Now, we know predictions can just go you know sideways and backwards, you know. But from your perspective, what is this one marketing or martech or customer experience prediction uh, that you see coming? Uh, maybe not to fruition, but 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 uh, certainly expressing itself a lot more in 2021. Ooh, Any that's takers? a hard one, Wilson. You threw you threw a random one in there. I like that. <laughs> I think it comes back down to the human. I think it's really a culture of curiosity. I think we are going to need to dig into facts and get a little bit creative again. Can you believe it? 
marketers relying on intuition again. All right. So we have prediction uh, number one from Justin. Creativity will be in. Intuition will will sort of take a you know not not to diminish data and and analytics. All that is great stuff, but there will be a greater focus on that creativity, intuition, uh, and and sort of that human mindset. I love it. Correct. Stephen, what's what's your prediction for 2021? I, I want to build on that, and I think that companies that are willing to take risks and put themselves out there for their customers, and I I really mean really experiment and test on how they can make a difference in the customer experience, and are willing to take risks and bet on that angle. I think they will learn the fastest and they'll grow the fastest if you're really out there and not stay in your comfort zone, but really get out of your comfort zone and try th new stuff to bring um, new journeys into place to, to, to rethink experience and really, you know, turn the world upside down. I think that's very important as a marketing organization moving forward to 2030. Awesome, Stephen. I see, I think I hear the word, it's almost sort of a, a revolution of sorts, uh, I guess in a good way uh, for, for marketers and, and customer experience leaders. So. Uh, awesome. I think for me, I'm going to go, I guess, a little bit more uh, functional in, in, in my prediction. We talked a lot about data and insights and, and that hyper-personalization. And Justin mentioned creepy uh, and in that same sentence as well. So I think I will, we definitely will see a rise of ethical AI. As AI is fantastic, is automating a lot of really cumbersome, boring uh, manual tasks that will allow marketers to be creative, as Justin talked about, to be thinking out of the box, to be revolutionary, as Stephen comments on. And I think at the same time, there will be some, some forces in play, uh, whether it's coming from the brands, the clients, vendors, government organization, other kinds of, of structures to, to infuse some ethics into, uh, into AI. So I think that'll be uh, on the rise. So there we have it. So we'll I, see I like that one. as we go through 2021, how we stacked against some of these predictions and there'll be more. And I'll hold you guys to it. <laughs> In we'll episode be good for 230, it. we're going to be looking back and going, how did your prediction go, Wilson? There yeah. we go. Yeah, we'll see. All right. So what uh, should listeners do next, Wilson? Number one, subscribe. Again, this is just a, the kickoff. There'll be plenty as, as Stephen and Justin alluded to uh, in terms of reimagined marketing. That's the, the first thing. Also, Justin, we talked about having uh, different folks. Uh, you want to share a little bit of that? Yeah, that's right. We thought it would be a cool idea to the listeners listening uh, to have some of you even as guests. I know that um, we've, we've got colleagues and, and friends who are chief marketing officers and CX professionals who uh, are listening right now, and we thought it would be great to have them on the show. So if you would like to be a guest on the show, you can actually register to do so. And um, yeah, throw in some topics and and we would love to have you on and chat about it. How about you, Wilson? What do you think we should do next? Well, the last thing I would say is some of the, the reports and resources that we reference in this podcast will be in the show notes. One of them obviously will be the Experience 2030 re, uh, research paper and, and some other additional resources. So check those out. This is episode one. And we look forward to seeing you on subsequent episodes of Reimagine Marketing. So on behalf of uh, Stephen and Justin, this is Wilson Rod saying thank you. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Take care. Take care, everyone.